Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Just a note to say this podcast episode contains major spoilers and some challenging themes. So I was on my way to the press screening this morning. I was walking over the bridge next to Embankment um so i was like feeling the soundscape you know like the tide is like lapping against the bridge below lapping lapping <laughs> i love it bear with me it. it's tidal the thames um the boats were going underneath the train was going along next to me i was like vibes and then i looked down <laughs> and i was like what is that it was this really big object in the water floating towards the bridge and my first thought was, oh my god, it's a body. What am I looking at? So I was I was still walking along. I like slowed down a little bit, but I was like trying to see whilst I was walking, but the bridge is quite high obviously, so I was like trying to like peer through. It was a bin. Oh my god. It was like the you know the big litter bins that you get along South Bank? It was just one of those attached to like um that blue string, like the cord. So it's like someone had taken the bin out on a leash and then just chucked it in the Thames. On a leash. And I was like, oh. I looked I looked at it and it was just like bobbing along, like float. first of all, floating. So it must have been empty. But I was just like, my first reaction was, I just have to tell Joyce. So I just saw this bin <laughs> floating this morning. Do like, you ever feel <laughs> like a floating bin? Sitting <laughs> <laughs> on the Thames. <laughs> Wanting to start again. <laughs> I did look at it and think, me! <laughs> oh my god, no, when you said a buddy, that, that, that's that's your, The look on your face, I thought, maybe yeah. that wasn't the right thing to say. No, it's, it's like not. a constant fear of mine is to find a buddy. Yeah, me just too. out and about. Me too. I'm you're always just like, like, oh, all the time. Oh my god. I watch too much true crime. <laughs> this is why you saw Ben and thought, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, at first I thought it was a massive, like, suitcase trunk. Yeah. 
I was very confused. And then I was like, is this something more sinister? And I was like, no. And then it just said litter on the side. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it's just one of those black bins. How did it get there? I want to know the so origin weird. story. Why is there a bin in the Thames? But then It is Monday morning. Yeah. It is Monday morning. Just had a weekend. Yeah, someone was like, mm, mm, mm. I want to go to jail tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what is the offence for chucking a bin in the Thames? But well, it's like a public bin, right? It yeah, belongs so it's to, public property. Yeah, so destruction of vandalism, probably. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I also saw, along the bridge it said there was a like a someone had nailed in like a printed sign saying this has been painted with anti-graffiti paint and right next to it was graffiti and I was like this is London did you take a photo of that? I I wanted to oh that's so good I was on my way here I was like I just need to get to Joyce and tell me all these big fuck you to that side honestly so good oh wow what a morning you've had yeah I've just been in bed (laughs) and we're live so I make you nervous Corky I'm a Lesbian. I'm a homosexual. I have loved you the way they said. You fancy gears? I'm having a proper full-on gay crisis. Hello and welcome to Gay Actually. Thanks for being here. It's gonna be a fun old gay time. Pitch Perfect is a lesbian musical film. <laughs> of course, of course. I want to carry off badass lesbian chic like Kate Blanchett can. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gay Actually. It feels like it's been weeks since we've recorded, but Mm. welcome to the UK Film Review Podcast. This is where we do our monthly Gay Actually series, where we discuss all aspects of queer cinema, sometimes a bit of culture. If you're new, welcome. You can find us in all kinds of places. We also have our own channel on Spotify, Gay Actually. We have one episode on there so far, so catch up. I am Amber, and I am joined by Joyce, as always. Hi. How's it going? It's going just averagely great. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Not nice. exceptional, you know. Okay. Just average. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, Thank you. The clocks go forward soon, so uh, I'm hoping that it's going to make... Is that it? But isn't this the, the one where we lose an hour of we sleep? Lo- yeah, we lose an hour, but it's going to be lighter for longer. But I'm so busy right now. I'm so stressed <laughs> out that losing an hour is really just not. It's not. Yeah, fair enough. It's it's, it's not working. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Is that next week? No, two weeks. The clocks. Oh, ne- clocks. I think ne- the clocks. <laughs> Sorry, I don't the know. The clocks are changing next weekend. The clocks. Sunday night we lose an hour. Oh my god. Wait. <laughs> oh my no, god. I think I'm working on Sunday. I think it's next week. I don't know. Listeners, if the clocks have changed already, sorry. No, um, surely no, not. This episode is literally coming out. Co- who's coming out? <laughs> <laughs> not enough people. Not I enough people. I am working at 7.30 a.m. on Sunday. So I'm losing an hour, so basically I'm You're working at 6.30 a.m. Ew! That's, You're losing an hour sleep. That's oh, horrible. I, I'm going to sue. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to take the clocks to court. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the clocks to court. <laughs> Why is that something an American probably has done? Mm. Well, oh my god! <laughs> TikTok! <laughs> that was exceptional. <laughs> no, <Wow>. please. <laughs> anyway, you may have noticed that uh, the episode did not go up last Thursday, and you might be thinking, why? Or you might be like, 
I didn't notice, I don't care. But regardless, <laughs> today's episode, we are doing a BFI Flare 2023 special. I need to say festival. We, we're doing the festival, but it's a BFI Flare special. For those of you that don't know, BFI Flare is the London LGBTQIA plus film festival. Wow. Can I just say, we're halfway through, we're on the second week now... The films are incredible. I implore you all to go and see these films or catch them after the festival in whatever platform space they are because they are so good. Are you enjoying what you've seen so far? Oh my God, I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, just the idea of the the film festival. It's literally all LGBTQ queer films. And critics as well. Like the screen, the press screenings I've gone to, there's been so many queer critics um, and whatever job they do. It's just so nice to be in that safe space. I've never been, this is my first festival. So it's it's nice to be in a room with such like-minded people um, and we all want to support queer content, which is what we're about too. Yeah. It's great. I feel like as well, I only went to a handful of screenings in person before the pandemic. So it's really weird dipping back into it. Because I don't know, I don't know what you do, whether or not you watch a film and then write up your notes or if you make notes as you go along. But for me, I make notes as I go along. But when I'm in a screening at cinema or at the BFI, I don't. And it's actually really changed how I write, which is really interesting. Mm. Like, I kind of marinate on it for longer, and then I'm like, ooh, yeah, actually, I've remembered this thing that I didn't necessarily think about when I was watching it. Yeah. I so mean, that's been an interesting process. I don't think I've ever written notes while watching, except for like films that I watch specifically to write about, like okay. for a paper or whatever. Yeah. A paper, God. For an essay. <laughs> For um, my paper, sorry, for my, my thesis. My American just came out. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, we knew she was American the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because for me, first of all, I'm lazy. But also I just really enjoy watching a film without having to worry about thinking about it while I'm watching it. Yeah. So for me afterwards, if I want to take notes, is I think, like for Tar, for example, mm-hmm. I think about the points that stood out to me. And afterwards, yeah. those are clear. You know, these things happen. These things stand out to me. So that sure. will be like my main my main bits in my reviewer. And my, this is what I think of it. And then it slowly fills up with the other things that I remember in between those main points. And that's kind of how I always went about it. I took a film I criticism course in my undergrad. I tell you that. No, that's yeah. cool. It was actually really fun. It was really interesting. Like, I don't plan it like that. But that's kind of no, how yeah. my internal processing goes anyway yeah i just write down what i want and then make it make sense i think that's kind of but you write a lot and i honestly i respect that so much because i'm such a lazy person like (laughs) i don't write notes my notes are all in my brain and then i forget things or they get scrambled well that's why i write everything down because i do forget things and i get so frustrated in the middle this has been happening more and more since the pandemic but i'll just stop in the middle of a sentence because i'm like (laughs) okay uh that's Uh. gone that thought just went um, yeah, I really respect that that you write so much. Like you just show me your notes for so my notes is on my notes app and it's like, I mean, how big is it? How many words do you think that is? Two hundred for all three films, and she has like three pages. I don't know of notes. Well, <laughs> just exposing ourselves. Right well, now. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing new, obviously. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I don't know why we're just going on tangents like crazy. 
it's been a while it feels like it's been ages yeah. I think it's been a while since we've recorded in person exactly. which people could probably tell because A my uh, even though I have a microphone <laughs> apparently I don't plug it in properly ever um, and B just our chairs creak all the time when we're actually <laughs> in person because we both fidget so sorry <laughs> listeners um, that happens but yes BFI Flare is running it's been running since the 15th and it's running until the 26th of March there is such a good selection this year of films. Um, I saw the opening film, The Stroll. I would encourage everyone to watch it. It's so, so good. It basically talks about the lives of um, trans sex workers um, in the meatpacking district in the 80s, 90s and noughties. It's documentary style. One of the co-directors um, was actually a sex worker during that time. So it's her own testimony as well as women that she knew. Oh my God. It was it was so moving and so beautiful. Would recommend. Loved it. But we're not talking about this that film today. Basically, for a lot of the films, that film and a lot of the other films, um, I've written a lot of reviews for UK Film Review. So this is just a shameless plug. If you want to read more about these films, go to the UK Film Review website, ukfilmreview.co.uk, and you can find all of the flare content. I think it's just me that's covering it. <laughs> Good. I am You're the, the queer guru game. of this magazine. <laughs> Hell yeah. And Joyce. <laughs> well, uh. <laughs> We're talking about three of the films explicitly in this episode. Um, there's three sections for BFI Flair. Um, bodies, Hearts and Minds, which I think is a beautiful way to categorise these films. Um, so I, we've picked one from each category and we're going to talk about them. Um, and then stick around because if you like short indie films um, we're going to shout out a few at the end short film shout out short film shout Shout out out. I love it Um, (laughs) yeah Joyce what is the first film we're going to be talking about today so um, the first film that we're going to talk about is XXXY okay and Amber is going to give us a wonderful introduction to this film (laughs) so XXXY is a Korean language film directed by So Young Lee and written by Sung Young Hong. So it's a Korean film, but it's got English subtitles. So the brief summary that the BFI have given is an intersex teen and their friends navigate the complex feelings and urges that come with adolescence in this unique coming-of-age comedy. And I think that that pretty much sums it up. Comedy is a bit striking as as a word. Do you think? I mean, it was comedic at some points, but I wouldn't call it a comedy. Ooh explain your reasoning i mean it didn't have like the comedy tropes i would say most, well i guess not most yeah, parts. not western comedy tropes definitely not i mean there were funny parts to it but i don't think it yeah. was it was more like a drama to me i think it felt very awkward which is there were there were some moments that i was like that's so uncomfortably awkward and teenage vibes it was making me laugh out of sheer uncomfortable oh, uncomfortability. oh <laughs> i had so much secondhand embarrassment at some point so yeah. i was like mm, guys it's just so being a just teenager. lie yeah don't be honest so the protagonist is jay and jay i was trying to figure out what pronouns jay went by because a lot of people refer to jay as he mm-hmm but I don't know if that's necessarily right either. Um, so I don't know if we should just use they. Let's just use they. Because I think they is a good option, just to be inclusive and just to be mindful. Because mm. Jay is intersex. And Jay doesn't go by any particular gender anyway. No, exactly. So. Exactly. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. They is good. Um, so Jay has been homeschooled 
um, their entire life and then their parents enrol them in high school for the first time. So they're a raging teenager, lots of things are going on, um, but the general premise is at some point Jay is going to have to decide whether or not they are going to live as male, as a boy, or as female, as a girl. So very binary distinction. I think Jay's parents, they are very, very cool and relaxed. Um, yeah, I mean, as Jay's uncle says, they're the most liberal people. Yeah, exactly. So. It's, very, it's very nice because... So Jay lives with their mum, their dad, and their dad's boyfriend. Because I think at the start, it's kind of implied that Jay's mum marries Jay's dad because he needs to hide the fact that he's gay and has a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So they kind of all live together and it works for her because she's a doctor and then they adopt Jay because Jay is obviously born intersex uh, and the implication is that Jay is abandoned. So Jay's parents adopt her and it's very nice that Jay's parents adopt them and it's a very nice start of the story. It's very warm and friendly mm-hmm. and then high school, boom! Terrifying, <laughs> hormones, teenagers, scary pop culture vibes. Mm-hmm. Um This is a very long synopsis, but basically Jay has the support of best friend Sarah. Sarah is awesome. I love love Sarah. Sarah. Oh, wow. She is just so unconditionally supportive. She's the Mm -hmm. only one that knows Jay is intersex. It's very, very comfortable. Like, she's just great. But then on the flip side, um, Jay meets um, a teenage guy called Wu Ram for the first time. And there's a little bit of, ooh, tension. Hmm. But then, so, what happens is they meet when Jay is kind of more feminine presenting, I think is fair to say. But then when Jay starts at school, Wuram is like, but they're wearing the the boys' uniform, like, presenting as a boy. And then he gets really confused and starts having all of these inner thoughts about himself and his sexuality. So that's kind of a subplot that's going on at the same time. But it's just... And it's it's kind of like a weird love triangle, but also, like, incredible intersex representation. And mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what BFI has done really well with the film selection this year, is that they all kind of verge around a theme of self-acceptance and like not denying your true self I feel like this film does this really well oh so true such a good observation all of them yeah oh wow okay cool that's happy happy days this this film is so good and Mm. like it's quite it's it's, you can tell that it's um well obviously it's korean but you can tell that it's made for korean audiences rather than western audiences like a lot of the korean films that we know yeah um which i love yeah so it is, you know, there's some things that you kind of have to adjust to as if you only watch Western films mostly or like mostly watch Western films. Um, yeah. And I'm a person like that. So for me, it took like a second to be like, OK, no, I think this is like just kind of normal, but it's not quite what I'm used to. But all of that aside, and also I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was no, super interesting. I was so great. engaged from the start because it was like so different. And it's like, so refreshing, isn't it? To yeah. Like, the animation that's used um, to kind of support the story and the narration. Like, I think that really helped ground me in the story and kind of, yeah, keep track of what was happening. Because mm-hmm. sometimes with um, films that aren't in English language, sometimes I can find it 
a bit difficult to follow. I didn't have that issue with this film at all. No, me either. It was so clear where the story was going. Not because it was simple at all, like it wasn't. It was very well written story. But I think that kind of helped carry me through the film. Yeah. It was very good. For sure. Um but yeah, I loved it. I loved that there was no conflict within the family unit. Yeah. That is something that's rare. Um, and I, I love that. Especially with queer storylines as queer well. Queer storylines, right. yeah. There's always some type of family trauma and upset. Yeah, and, and there was none of that here, and I love yeah. that. Like, Jay, sure, they've been protected by being homeschooled for a long time, but there's support for them going to high school. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, they're so happy and satisfied in their lives. In their life. Like, there's yeah. no, like, conflict up until they go to high school. Exactly, yeah. And it's so refreshing. It's so nice. I yeah. mean... Honestly, that alone was like, okay, I feel safe watching this. Yeah. And, like, I feel that Jay feels safe. It's hard to explain, but... And it, it, I think it's so nice, like, there's not many films that I've seen with an intersex protagonist. I actually don't know if I've seen any. So it's so nice to have such positive representation of an mm. identity that is just... Yeah. Always been there. Yeah. I th- it's so nice. Only one other time in my life have I seen an intersex ca- intersex character, mm-hmm. and that was my introduction to intersex people. What was that? In? Anyway, um, it was in this MTV show. Remember MTV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <of course>. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was in this MTV show called Faking It. Did you ever oh watch my God, it? I've seen Faking yeah, It. Yeah, oh because it's gay. <laughs> yeah, the sister, someone's sister, the blonde. She goes by. She goes by she her. Oh my god, I totally She's forgot about that. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. That's yeah. so bad. I watched the shit out of that show. Yeah. I loved that show because I was like, oh my god, teen lesbian drama. Me! <laughs> Love it. So good. It is good. Yeah. Oh my god. There you go. Shout out to anyone that watched Faking It. Yeah. I think they just cancelled it with no warning as well. I mean... MTV does that even does this MTV even exist anymore? You know how many shows there were on MTV? Awkward. Did you ever watch that? No. There were so many MTV shows. I mean, we've completely erased them from our memories. Oh I swear. Oh my god! That, you just gave me like a full-on war flashback. I know, right? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Yeah, faking it. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Karma. One of the girls was called Karma. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course I do. We got Karma. Karma and Amy, right? Amy. We should do an episode on faking it. Oh my god, we should totally. If anyone's <laughs> seen faking it and wants an episode on faking it, please let us know. We'll do it on our Gay Actually channel. Yeah. Oh my god, I think I would. Oh, we I need to rewatch it. I don't know if I can relive it. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. But I'll do it for you guys if that's what you want. I'll I want it. But yeah, intersex character. Yes. And that's that was my introduction to intersex. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know what it was. I just didn't have any examples. This is so oh, so often the case with LGBTIA. Yeah. Like, but the the thing with intersex I think you can like kind of distinguish these two characters from each other is that obviously it's a biological thing yeah um so it's not you don't necessarily need to even be part of um like identify as an LGBT person you know um but there is a lot of question about gender that comes into it Mm. and I think that this film with having an intersex character also addressed so many um, discussions about gender queer identities mm-hmm. that in like our current world or like what's going on right now is, I mean I'm talking about the west because that's where I live but um, yeah. it just, it's, it's so much going on with it right now 
Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes from cis people not understanding it. Like, I don't understand what it's like, you know. But this yeah. film did such a good job at, like, like trying to explain it in a way that everyone could understand. That's very true, especially because the viewer in XXXY is given such a close insight into Jay's hormonal changes and physical, like, pubescent changes. Um which are difficult enough, let alone when you're intersex and you, like, Jay is very clear that they don't know who they are at the moment. They don't know... They've been told that they need to live as one gender. They're not sure what gender that should be. So then they start their period or they, you know, are in the men's bathroom and there's no sanitary bins. Like, which... And I'm like, oh my God, that, I didn't even think about that. Right. And it's it's it does such a good job at being like yes these are the issues that we need to address, um, and it's so interesting that that's from a Korean perspective because I'm so used to just Westernized content. It's yeah. so nice to have it framed in another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, such a good film. Such it a really good film. is. It really is. What else did you like about it? What did you think of like the whole love triangle? Oh my situation? god! I just I, I just can't like I'm so happy. Honestly, you know how conflict drives the story? Yeah. But I am so happy that there was no conflict with any of their friends. I know. Like, I, I was just so happy. Like, I, I was expecting it to come at some point, And, like, Sarah did act weird at some point. And, like, yeah, we, and we then, knew why, but we knew yeah. why from the start. Yeah. We weren't even confused about it. And I just loved it. Because it was just like, this is so nice. That was the thing. <laughs> it was so transparent for the viewer. Like, there was no... I don't think there were any like horrible surprises like you know what's coming the entire time and then mm. you get to see Jay deal with it yeah and it's yeah without giving too much away it's like it's not really it's not, beautiful it's not really like super traditional in the way it tells no. the story and th- this like it wasn't traumatizing and it wasn't hard mm-hmm. um, even if it, it's a complicated subject and it is hard for so many people but the way it was presented was just, like it's such a hopeful way mm-hmm. and you know, some things were a bit exaggerated and blah 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 because it's fiction. Mm-hmm. But I think we, we, I think we've talked about this before a few episodes back. But sometimes we, as queer people, just need something that's just nice, yeah, and nothing else. Like it doesn't always have to be hard or a challenge or full of conflict. Like it really doesn't. It can just be a nice, intersex, maybe queer person being accepted by family and friends. Yeah, and. There are a couple of emotional moments, but ultimately, it's a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and there is conflict towards the end, and there is a there is an antagonist. Yeah. Even though, I mean, I didn't really care much for that storyline. I didn't really know what <laughs> happened. Like at the very end, I was like, okay. So I guess this is trying to make a point about trolling. But Jay's happy, so whatever. Like I was yeah. just kind of fine with it. It was just, it was, it really was kind of whatever. But yeah. I mean, once again, I didn't really care much about having any conflict or making it more dramatic than it needed to be. No, it was just great. It was just it great. Was really great. It really, really, really refreshing. Yeah. I also loved um, considering a real-to-life experience of a Korean school and going to school in Korea, um, like seeing teenagers just being themselves and like looking at their phones and looking at cultural. Um, like pop culture things yeah. being like oh, have you listened to this music have you listened like all of this 
yeah. oh this person's really cute and like all of the school drama being like oh my god you fancy them oh my god they might be gay and it's just teen yeah. and I just love like I know but it was done in a way because when things like that happen from like Heartstopper like I'm always like for example that's my reference for like a school like, or sex education obviously I'm not comparing to western media but those are my examples as a UK person um I'm always like a, like a, not triggered but like it's quite jarring to me because I'm like oh my god no I'm, I'm back war flashbacks <laughs> I'm I'm back I'm 15 again oh but like it was nice to kind of have that degree of separation of like oh maybe this is what it's like in a Korean school and yeah, yeah this gener like the younger generations are accepting and like yeah Jay is Jay is very popular. Jay, Jay is... isn't shunned at all. Oh, they are like they are like prom king. Everyone wants Jay. Everyone wants Jay. It's so funny. He's <laughs> so good. I like, love go off, my guy. I love seeing such a a desired intersex character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love it. I yeah, love it, love it is great. Um, and also, um, it's really refreshing to see a high school film with kids that are actually their age oh so true and like actually like doing things that kids that age do like i did yeah like yeah when i was 14 i was definitely like that and not Mm -hmm. like sex education you know what i mean this is the thing yeah sex education like but that's college isn't it it's sixth form college so they're like 16 17 18 fair enough um but even like Heartstopper, like you just really feel that they're that age and they're doing things that teenagers would do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just feel like, yeah. I think I we've all just been kind of uh, traumatized by Euphoria, and like, don't take me wrong, I love Euphoria. I've not seen it yet. Oh, well, they're all like everyone was mid twenties crying about it on Instagram. I was like, I can't do that to myself. Souls. Oh, I really like Euphoria, but <laughs> <laughs> they're all like definitely mid twenties, you know. Yeah. And it could that would yeah. that should be said at university. Old, I don't know how old the actors are in XXXY. I tried to look a bit into them, but I couldn't really find anything about the actors. I couldn't find a lot online either. No. Um, so obviously, like, this is all our own opinion and whatever but, but it, it's it believable regardless yeah. of their age like it's very believable yeah do you want to talk about some of the funny moments <laughs> please go for it I mean Tell I don't have me. any notes on the funny moments but we were talking um when introducing the film and you said it was a comedy I was like okay there were some funny moments but yes there's just some some things and there's such like teenager fears like mm-hmm. things that you just want to never happen in your life ever you know you have like a list of things and you're like if this ever happens to me like i might as well just die yeah and like i wouldn't even care yeah so uh what's it i can't pronounce his name what warren oh Warren. he's watching in his room oh my god on like a big screen oh my god yeah and his three sisters just barge in. That's so funny. Oh my god. Oh, the sisters are so funny. <laughs> so good. Like, they don't even close the door. They literally go mm. towards him and just straight up start bullying oh the f- out of this boy. So awkward. I was literally like, if this ever happens to me, like, I would probably just, <laughs> like, throw myself out of the window right just after. Just pass away. Yeah. They're so awkward. Wiram's character is really well done. I oh, love yeah. the like awkward, uncomfortable curiosity that he has in being like, I fancy this person, so that must mean I'm gay. Yeah. Um, let me tap into that. <laughs> and like it's so embarrassing, but it's when he's like watching 
on in the bathroom just crying oh my god he's sobbing it's so sad but it's so funny and then jay just kind of looks over like what are you doing it's so funny oh my god so ridiculous Oh, that's oh, I so love. It's just, I just love how he is just in turmoil. Yeah, and then this like, yeah. But he's so brave because he just tells Jay about it. Yeah, like he just he's kind of like I yeah, I'm just it. gonna tell Jay. Yeah, like whatever, no, gay or not. Yeah, there's embarrassment, but there's no degree of shame, at least from what I interpreted. Mm. It's nice. Um, there's a couple of funny <laughs> moments like that when when they're playing dodgeball. Um, (laughs) I'm trying not to give too many spoilers but maybe we should talk about Sarah as well Mm -hmm. because Sarah's the only one that knows at school that Jay is intersex they're childhood best friends and she likes Jay anyway and it's very much like when Jay starts getting loads of attention Sarah's like well I like Jay I want to be close to Jay Mm -hmm. like and and I'm never sure, because she does equate sexuality to gender a couple of times, which I was yeah. a bit like, mm, not sure about that. But I was trying to figure out if she sees Jay as a guy, or it's just Jay. Like, at least at the beginning, but I think... I was thinking the same. Yeah, I wasn't sure, and I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think it kind of the film kind of demonstrates how it's easier for Sarah to see Jay as a guy Mm -hmm. but ultimately I do think that she does understand yeah because I mean we and I think this is done like really purposefully but at the start we see Sarah and Jay meet up and Jay's presenting more feminine and has was wearing like a pin in their hair that's like very like girly and whatever yeah um so at the start when we first see Jay, Jay is more feminine. Mm-hmm. But Sarah also knows that, you know. Yeah. So it's not like Sarah's only known Jay in a more like masculine presentation. That's true. But I was also just wondering about that because Sarah Sarah's so comfortable with it, like so yeah. so comfortable. It's all she's known, I guess. She doesn't care. I think it's when care. her friends start being like, "Oh, Jay, he's so handsome." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, and then she's like. Yeah, Jay is handsome. Yeah, Jay's <laughs> mine. Back off, bitches. <laughs> just like, I literally, love it. literally. <laughs> I just yeah. love like that thought process so mm. much. Oh my god, so cute. I think Sarah's yeah. also just very protective of Jay. To yeah, be honest. I think that's a lot of it. You're right. Yeah, um, but I don't, I don't know about the about the guy thing because when Jay gets their period, Sarah's like so there for. Her. And it yeah. was a little awkward moment in the bedroom that I didn't quite understand. Oh, yeah. Sarah like reaches over to Jay to put a, like a heating pad on their stomach. Yeah. And then kind of like backs away and gets all awkward. I think it is an acknowledgement of Jay being intersex. Hmm. Um, but I loved that when she came over immediately it was like, here's the heating pad, this is how you... This chocolate. Stay comfortable with chocolate, always yeah. helps. I loved that, a little bit of solidarity. I know. Um, period vibes. <laughs> Recording this episode, I am not on my period. Me either. Thank God. Because last time we recorded in person, I think we were both so unwell. Dying. (laughs) Yeah, horrendous. Um, I have some, like, things that we could talk about about gender specifically. Sure. Since it is, like, a very central part, obviously, of the the narrative. Um, 
Well, I mean, the characters don't really distinguish sex and gender. No. Which, yeah. I mean, you know, take what you can get, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, there are some very good discussions or moments in this film where characters discuss the idea of gender it, that kind of separates yeah. it from, from sex. So, for example, with Sarah, again, um, they have this discussion about what it means to be a man or a woman. Um, and this is like I mean most of the film is in the binary right Mm -hmm. Um, but they have this discussion and I think this is what I meant earlier with it makes this topic very understandable for people that don't have the experience to understand it like you know cis people like me and yeah just kind of this idea of how do you know that you're a man or a woman like Jay brings it up Jay's like I don't know this has never been a thing in my life where I've had to be like I'm a man I'm a woman no I'm just Jay yeah and we only know what society tells us yeah and it's like I can put on clothes and look like a woman or I can put on clothes and look like a man but clothes you can change clothes so that doesn't make who I am They, they just kind of talk through this and like the idea of choice and about how Jay has has to make a choice like Jay has the choice and, and so many people don't have the choice mm-hmm. but doesn't make it easier like people saying that they're lucky because they have a choice but yeah. are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of discussions like this and, I, and it makes it so approachable because like I said before I've, I've always been cis my whole life I've never questioned my gender and I'm very accepting of genderqueer people but I don't know what it feels like right yeah exactly and I know that a lot of ignorance with a lot of issues especially queer issues comes from not understanding it and then you just have to have the open mind to be um accepting whether or not you understand it but absolutely the most case of homophobia and transphobia is just people not understanding and not willing to try right yeah it's the lack of willingness willingness me every time I'm like just just I open exactly. a book that isn't just by a white cis person and just I like, mean that, that's yeah. it that's it but Tap just the lack of understanding is the the central problem of everything right of course of ignorance and this film the way it made the way it talked through these issues just made it so understandable like I don't know how to describe yeah. it but like no you're right I, I was like oh my god I think I understand what they're saying and I've never quite understood it on like that kind of level. Yeah. And it's just it's incredible because it's a like I said it's a light film and it's a hopeful film and it's and it's so good that it still gets to the essence of it. It's still educating a viewer. Yeah. Yeah. Like Which is, oh, this is the good this is why BFI Flare is so good is cuz this is what it does. Like And is, I love this that. This is the point. I love that. Like, if you have a non-binary person in your life and you don't really quite know how to deal with it or feel about it or talk to them, like, watch this, right? Because yeah. the way it talks about gender, it makes complete sense. Like, it, it makes you understand what it means to be a man or woman or something in between or nothing yeah. at all. Or intersex or... Yeah. yeah. Like, it really... It's in so few words and in very, like, understandable, like base level language yeah. makes you understand also just watch more korean cinema in general it's great oh for sure <laughs> i mean it's not all just parasite although that is a f-ing incredible film oh for, and There's, the handmaiden yeah, and the handmaiden <laughs> we've talked about the handmaiden <laughs> on this podcast yeah. um yeah funnily enough the chambermaid which i saw a screening of last week bonus film shout out 
definitely a mixture of Portrait of a Lady on Fire and The Handmaiden. Like, two of my top three films. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I feel like if you like those films, you'll like it. Yeah. Um, but yes. For sure. XXXY. Incredible film. Yeah. Chef's Kiss. Loved it. Chef's Kiss. Moving on, we're going to um, discuss the next film, which is 1946, The Mistranslation That Shifted Culture, directed by Sharon Roggio. Um, it's an American film that came out last year. Uh, I'm just going to put a trigger warning out there now. I'm going to include a timestamp of when to skip to, if this is not your vibe, I think. Mm-hmm. The trigger warning um, contains scenes of religious and parental trauma and also discussions of suicide. I'll read out the BFI summary. Research into recent interpretation of the Bible results in a re-evaluation of the traditional prohibitions on gay sex. So that's their little description. Okay. Um, Joyce, do you want to... Yeah, so 1946, I'll just abbreviate it to that, right? 1946. Of course, yeah. Is a documentary about how the word homosexuality came to be in the Bible and how that has caused decades and decades of religious trauma for queer people and a complete kind of like shift in um, LGBTQ issues within Christianity. So 1946 is the year that um, this translation came into the Bible. I think, when was that published? In 1952? Because I was confused about the years that they were talking about. So... Because obviously it's a long process to translate a Bible and new editions and new versions. Yeah, so the 1946 was the first year it was written, but it wasn't removed or talked about being removed until the early 70s. Right. So it's at least 20 to 25 years where the word homosexual is in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Yeah. Um, this is it's the revised standard version. I think that, I think of the bible so it, it's an american version of the bible so, i don't know what, my bible history is a bit shady <laughs> to be honest i mean it's the revised standard version i believe is what it was called and what is the verse first corinthians um six colon nine through ten i think it's chapter six verse nine and ten yeah so i'll read it we can read that out so the verses do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived Neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, so basically this documentary kind of, they're portraits of of multiple people, queer and allies, um, kind of delving deep into this mistranslation, into proving the mistranslation, into kind of tracing the history of how that word came to be in the Bible when it wasn't before. Um, And alongside, you know, cultural context and political context um, within the United States mostly. So the director is Sharon Roggio? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce her name? I think so. She is the daughter of a pastor. and she is queer. Yep. And so for her, her whole life has been um, one where she's been ostracized from kind of having a normal family life with her parents because her father's a pastor with strong conviction that everything in the Bible is true, um, takes it word for word. What are those fundamentalists, I think? Fundamentalist evangelicals? 
that takes yes. every word in the Bible for truth. Yeah. So, you know, he her relationship with her parents, she, she doesn't get to have that, basically, because of her identity. And she mm-hmm. goes on this journey with these other people that are also on this journey. Yes, Kathy Baldock and Ed Oxford. Ed Oxford, is that his name? Yeah, so okay. Ed Oxford um, is a Christian man who realised he was gay. Yeah. Um, and Kathy Baldock, it's not clear her sexuality. She's she, straight. Yeah, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure she was straight. She was married to a man. But the reason she starts this journey with Ed is because she met a lesbian on her hiking route. They yeah. became really good friends. And her friend's called Neto. She's a Native American lesbian. And she said, oh, you know, God doesn't love me, blah, 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 because I'm gay. And Mm. Kathy kind of goes, huh. Hmm. This is the nicest person I've ever met. If they're not getting into the kingdom of heaven, there's something wrong here. And then she basically goes on a journey with Ed to uncover loads of old editions of the Bible, um, looking at why, as you said, the word homosexual ends up in there and Sharon kind of helps them on this journey whilst they're all sharing their own personal experiences yeah um Um, I think it's very raw it's very raw oh my god documentary style lots of childhood footage archive footage yeah um, animated drawings it's very it's very immersive yeah um and it's what I find so interesting um, so which makes this watchable if you're not queer if you're not Christian even this is interesting because it is a documentary that's both about theology and linguistics and Mm -hmm. culture and history and about LGBTQ rights and activism yeah very true and and, you know personal memoir and personal um, kind of personal history you know there's That's, both yeah. of these things and they're combined. So it's it's educational at the same time that it's um, activism. Yeah, there's something for everyone. Isn't yeah, there? yeah. Like, for if you're sure. interested in Greek cult, like ancient Greece or mm-hmm. Greek language or. Yeah. yeah the hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And honestly, I think this is one of the most important like documentaries out there for it's, queer people because yeah. what it, it's literally a cultural shift. Like if this, what they talk about this, but it's really hard to spread this word and it's really hard for our systems to change. But the message that is kind of unveiled in this documentary literally has the power to change so much. Yeah, like it's it's really really powerful. But you know, it's baby steps, and I think this is a really amazing piece of work as one of those baby steps it's incredible isn't it i think as well it's 
it really exacerbates that conflict between sexuality and scripture. So there are a lot of religious queer people, not just in the States, but in the UK as well and then across the world, um, depending on what laws they're governed by with regards to homosexuality. Um, but these people, they, you know, they love their faith and they love the church, but they're also having to wrestle with an identity that the church doesn't accept. Right. This is a recent thing in the UK as well. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, but the Church of England still doesn't allow same-sex marriage. You can go and have a blessing now, which mm. they voted on. It was a very close vote. They almost didn't get it passed yeah. by the looks of it. Um, but there's still not equality there. And mm-hmm. so the film really exacerbates that. Um it's yeah it's very raw I feel like even if you're not gay you can kind of understand that conflict but I was wondering Joyce if you if you'd heard about it before the mistranslation I've always known that it wasn't that it's not true to the bible and that it's not actually part of it and that it's been fabricated yeah in a way I've always known that, but I didn't know the details. I didn't know that there was proof. I didn't, I didn't know how far it traced back. None of that. Like That's why I'm saying this was super educational for me. Yeah. But, yeah, I've always known that. I mean, and it, it makes... I think if you think critically about things, it, you don't even need proof to know that this is a strong possibility because this book is so old. The Bible <laughs> is so old. It's and thousands it's, of years old. It's, it's an ancient It book. wasn't written in modern English, okay? Like, it, it literally wasn't. So there's just... Hebrew, the prob- Greek, Latin. Yeah, the probability of it being the exact same thing that it was back then when it was written yeah. is literally so incredibly small. Yeah. And humans make mistakes. I mean, they talk about it in this documentary as well. Humans make mistakes. Like, mm-hmm. robots didn't translate this book, okay? Like, humans... No. like. The more you grow up, the more you realize that literally everything is human error. Human error. So much. Like literally. Like <laughs> across history. No adult yeah. is like capable of doing everything, okay? And as Kathy Baldock says, um, they took a sin that was an act and made it into a type of person. Yes. That's literally what they did. Yeah. Because the word there's there's two words in Greek. I can't remember the first one, but the second one is asenakoitai. Mm-hmm. It basically is like sexual perversion. So like paedophilia. So yeah. they took that... It's about power imbalance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. An older man and a younger boy. Yeah. And they took this act and they put it into what they defined as homosexuality to justify its perversion. Yeah. And that's it. The only way I knew about I, I did know about the letter that David Fearon wrote. So I knew that he had discovered... This is what they talk about in the documentary as well. He had discovered in the 50s that... And he'd written to the translators that he feared that the word homosexual would be used as a quote-unquote sacred weapon in the Bible and that it would inspire hatred to gay people. And David Fearon himself realised he was gay. He actually only passed away in January of this year. Mm, I saw that. Um, the documentary is actually dedicated in memory to him. Um, but he he I knew about, and the letter okay. I knew about. But what's come from that, Kathy and Ed and Sharon's 
discoveries and literal evidence of translations and them speaking to scholars and academics and linguists it's so incredible and I really was like this is real like this is an actual thing that happened and no one talks about it Mm -hmm. because this is literally inspired like obviously homophobia was around before right but this is literally inspired decades of abuse against queer people I mean, because of one word that yeah. was translated in a specific way and that keeps me up at night <laughs> it really it's keeps terrifying. me awake it's terrifying yeah. Um, yeah I mean that it was really interesting like you say all the professors that came to speak and the theologians oh theologists <laughs> yeah but what do you say when they're ends? theologians theologians <laughs> I know what you mean. Theologists, I'll put them like that. I know what you mean, but I can't say. Oh my god, the theologists, um, some of them queer as well. Yeah. Um, there was like a an Orthodox rabbi speaking, and he had some amazing things to say. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, if if all these people that are dedicated their lives to studying the Bible. Yeah. Right. And and there was one professor that was Greek and the Bible so she could she knew Greek as well mm-hmm. right yeah. so you have these qualified people educated qualified people just yeah. saying how absurd it is yeah. that we got to this point and that and teaching it to the next generation yeah that's stupid it is yeah <laughs> that the theology doesn't even make any sense whatsoever linguistics don't make any sense um yeah and the church uses these passages to justify homophobia and this is what, I think it was Ed that said this when he realised he was gay. He said, I felt like I was going through a breakup. Yeah. And that's so real because his community and his sanctuary, his safe space, rejected him. Yeah. Because he felt one way. And that was really powerful to me. That's when I was like, this is deliberate ideology. That oh, happened. for sure. It's not just like a, for sure. a mistake. There, there's so much discourse about how, you know, in the United States, um, post-World War II, religion became so intrinsically linked with politics, right? Yeah. And you have pastors like reverends that are with mega churches like Jerry Falwell, who mm-hmm. became like, just yeah. everyone knew about him, right? Everyone still knows about him. He was so famous, so famous. It was on TV, it was on the radio. Yeah. Everyone knew this evangelical preacher, reverend. And he... Because he appeals to all the masses and is talking to all the masses and so many people are Christian, right? They just listen to him and that's it. That's their only point of reference. They have a book with yeah. mistranslations. Oh, he's quoting the Bible, he's right. Yeah. He's quoting and they have, the word of our God. They have Jerry Falwell and they have, yeah. you know, Ronald Reagan. Like This is what I was <laughs> gonna talk about Ronald Reagan because I feel like you're right, because this reprint because they talk about the reprints that come of different Bible versions after this mistranslation because mm-hmm. They could only change the word in 1971. But how many versions of the Bible came out between 1946 and 1971? Right. So many. All these versions. And then it informs public opinion. And this is how religion and politics come together. Yeah. You always see the politicians when they were arguing for gay marriage. Oh, you know, like, it's against God. The Bible says that man shall not lie with man. Yeah. Which is how it's written in UK versions. Um, But the AIDS crisis gets me because obviously Ronald Reagan was the president during the AIDS crisis and it was basically like LGBT people were weaponized in like this kind of sickening cultural war like the government just did nothing and just watched a whole generation 
of gay people die. Yeah. And like that's not That's Christian. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. That's not what I understand Christian mentality to be. Yeah. Those aren't Christian people. Exactly. In my opinion, but I'm getting too angry about it. But anyway. No, I mean it is it, infuriating. It is. Generational and religious trauma ensues. It is. Like it's, gay people can't go to church. It's terrifying because it's all how do you, like it's all part of a discourse like it's the word only got in there because of other factors because of the context yeah because it's not a translation that has anything to do with actual linguistics and the words no. and history like it's no no it's what is like needed <laughs> like okay sexual perversion what is that homosexuality so there you go word and that's it and how many people read the bible how many people listen to preachers and i think documentaries like this really open my eyes as to how it sounds really dumb and basic but how much of a religious country the united states are oh my god like, and i don't really think i ever sat down and really thought about it no literally when i lived in indiana like everyone was a christian around me like everyone had like bible verses in their insta bio yeah like it's such so a big ingrained. part of the culture and i don't really think i fully appreciated that so I feel like this documentary has opened my eyes in that way. Mm-hmm. But then also, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's just like when um, you see it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, um, let's talk about Sharon Roggio. Because yeah. she is the strength of this woman. Is Insane. I couldn't do what she's done. Yeah. First of all, made an incredibly amazing documentary. But also, the strength of her to continue to have a relationship with her father despite their differing beliefs and like like core morals mm-hmm. i guess well they have christian morals they share christian morals but he is so against homosexuality they have this sit down conversation and it's so raw the way she's like dad you know nothing about my life because you won't let me tell you because you're so against gay people and then at the end they have a hug and it's like he f- just forgets it ever, ever happened yeah and it's like how how like like I really admire her for continuing that relationship but he is so terrified of his daughter being gay that he literally can't acknowledge it yeah and she's so terrified of losing a relationship with her father like it's just so raw and like it's amazing to see that representation on screen Mm -hmm. in a way that's not dramatised like it's just real that was I like that yeah, I mean, every scene with her dad, it was... It, honestly, it's painful to watch. Not because yeah. it's just painful, like, even imagining what that feels like. I know. I can see what she's trying to do, though. Like, I really resonate with what she's trying to do in breaking the cycle of generational trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the end of the documentary kind of posits that question of, will this change for the next generation? Because queer Christians and queer religious people there is a disconnect for them they're on the outside looking in Mm. but the documentary kind of ends in that hopeful way of we are struggling to get acceptance but maybe one day we will get it Mm. maybe we will be able to get married in a church one day maybe people will more and more people every day will realise actually being gay isn't a sin that's what was nice about the end in my opinion 
Yeah, I mean, and that's why I cried during the credits. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Well, it's just all of those queer Christian people saying, you know, I love my faith and I love my sexuality. Like, you can have both. Yeah. It's just society that pretends you can't, but you can. Um, I have a little note about the dad. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, honestly, it's, it's striking how she makes this documentary and her dad is the poster child for everything that's wrong with um, brave with um, people's unwillingness to learn and listen and broaden their perspectives like we just talked about with XXXY yeah. um, I think this is such an important thing to emphasize like in this climate right now and with this climate I don't mean like 2023 I mean like <laughs> the past decade or decade and a half where polarization has become so stark and especially yeah. I mean we don't live in the United States but you see it on the news and you see it you read, it, you read about it online but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's getting worse and worse and worse like the that country is becoming so polarized i mean we kind of are too like i'm not gonna lie but you know I'm what i mean okay yeah just pull it since the internet and since globalization yeah. online it's just been incredible to see such a shift in how people cannot live together anymore if they have different ideals and different morals yeah and how how everyone is in their bubble so hard so not true. only within themselves but within their the, the spaces they find themselves in like online mm-hmm. that they're unwilling to listen to the other side and unwilling to learn about other things so everyone's just shouting at no one and yeah nothing. like her yeah. her dad here he listens to the talks that she gives and that kathy gives and mm-hmm. ed gives yeah. he listens to these people like he's like his ears are open right mm-hmm. but nothing's going in and he, he knows from the start, yeah. nothing's going to go in. Like, I refuse to change my mind. It's never going like, to happen. He's like, well, I'll go because you're my kid. But I'm my not going to change. Like, it's and never going to change. It's not active listening. Exactly. And it, it, so he's kind of like, you know, the poster child for that massive problem. And then you have to, it kind of just shows like, yeah, we have this thing now, kind of proof of, okay, it was a mistranslation. And yeah. there's been decades of trauma kind of for, for what, right? Yeah, exactly. But still people are just refusing to acknowledge that and like that's why it's going to be so hard and that's why it's not just straightforward oh hi guys uh, mm-hmm. the bible is wrong uh, but we fix yeah. it now so change it's your opinions fine. this is a PSA it's okay yeah. to be gay now like that's never going to happen because no. there's people like her dad that won't let it happen that won't let it happen and that refused to, to he's writing a book on this on homosexuality, homosexuality being a sin yeah yeah how when your daughter is gay yeah yeah the strength of her honestly she's incredible to make this documentary is so powerful uh and it's really going to resonate with so many (coughs) queer people yeah and religious people so big Um, love there's this quote at the end that i want to give um I forgot, maybe if we can look it up after, we can put it in. But I forgot who says it. I was going to write it down, and then I didn't didn't do it. Sure. But there's this woman that's talking, um, this black woman, and she says, I know the lingering damage that misreading these passages will have on the LGBTQ plus community because these kind of issues really don't go away. You might change the laws, but the way that you are still treated in the system, I can say as a black woman, those things change much more slowly. Wow. It's really powerful because she's... She, that's where she says it, right? Yeah. Like, you can actually change the laws. You can tell people that it's wrong. But the way the system changes is so much slower. Yeah. And it will take years and years and years and decades and decades. And that's that's just kind of it, right? Damn. Yeah. 
Damn. Well, that's a note to end this film on. <laughs> well, it ended in a very nice, positive light. Yeah. That is true. Um, but yeah. No. Really important. Very stuff. good documentary. Very poignant. Very brave. And powerful. Um, yeah, so if this is like a, a topic that interests you, um, the Bible and homosexuality, there's three films that I want to recommend. And I think you've seen one of them. Okay. Um, so one of my favorite films on this topic, at least, is Henry Gamble's Birthday Party. Ooh. I, I love that film. I think it's so great. I've seen it like five times. It's nice. the director. I can't think of his name right now, but he did Sid, Princess Sid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so that one's really good. It's about a queer boy um, in like a evangelical religious family. Um, but it's not It's not all... It's just a lot of conversation with his friends and, yeah. you know, with his family. It's really good. Um, and then The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Yes, which of course. Seen. I don't think we've talked about that We should. We should one day. We should. Um, I really... I love that book. Have you read the book? I have not. Oh, the book is so good. Wow. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Very nice. And then there's another documentary called Born Again. And okay. that is about one woman's journey... Um, through you know being finding out she's queer Mm -hmm. in an evangelical family it's really heartbreaking but it really shows you exactly what that's like Mm. for for someone in that situation wow so just want to put it out there thank you very much joyce we'll put those in the description below on spotify so anyone can have a look but yes let's take a breath before we go and talk about the final film so we're on to our final film. How are you feeling? Good, good. <laughs> we thought we'd end on a very light, positive, uplifting note. For sure. Um, for our final film selection, we're going to talk about Egghead and Twinkie, directed by Sarah Campbell Holland. Um, it's also written by her as well. Did not realise it's her master's project, right? Yeah. Because Joyce texted me saying, I can't believe this is her MA film or what, whatever you said. Yeah. Sorry, I'm misquoting um, you. University of Florida. Oh, some Florida university. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? I completely missed that. It just adds so much to the film. I just think it, the production value is so good. I didn't even realize it was a master's project. Yeah. So I read into it a bit and they did um, go fund me for like funding. Okay, great. For a Love that. good solid moment time while. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I tried to look up the budget for the film and I'm not quite sure. IMDb can be a bit... Yeah, skewed. I think it was like 80k around okay. that. Wow. So they got a decent That's sum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. She got like a grand for 36k, I think. Wow. From some... You know, if I did my research properly, I would write all of this down. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> it sounds like you were very prepared for this. <laughs> but I, we had a little... They tweeted out the UK Film Review review. Okay. Thank you so much, whoever manages the Egghead and Twinkie Twitter account. Um, very grateful. I just think, yeah, I just see so much value in queer coming-of-age narratives. Mm-hmm. This is why, again, we picked XXXY. Um, but this one as well, obviously. It's another, um, it's another American film, but a very refreshing perspective. So it's basically about two best friends um, and Twinkie is a young Asian American girl and Egghead is her so-called hapless best friend and they go on a road trip to meet Twinkie's online crush in this delightful road movie. I love a road trip movie. Oh, me too. Think Ladybird meets Booksmart meets the half of it. Yeah, fair. All incredible teenage films. This encapsulates that vibe so much. What did you think about this film? Oh, I thought it was Talk so sweet. It's like, so 
it's just really like endearing and mm-hmm. cute and like you want the things that you want to happen and just kind of happen yeah You're like yay it's just well so positive and empowering isn't it you're yeah. just like this is going in a way that i like the pacing's really good there's fun like xxxy there's fun animation to kind of carry the viewer through the mm-hmm. story because i feel like the film kind of isn't chronological it flashes forward and flashes back yeah but the pacing is good like I don't get confused at any point you're very car- intricate at some yeah. point mm-hmm. you're carried very well through the story yeah um, and it's complex but it's not too complex it's just fun it's just it's really fun it's so fun I I had so much fun watching this yeah. just on my own like no, honestly. I was cackling to no one <laughs> I loved it yeah it is fun and you know like you say it's not chronological especially at the start when they walk through what happened before yeah 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 it's just like so you're fun. so engaged and like oh I want to know I want to know it's like we're there it's so interactive mm-hmm. I'm like oh she's lying we know she's lying That's lie good. number 23 girly girl <laughs> sounds pathological <laughs> yeah oh just oh so fun so bright as well like it's so f- sunny it All is sunny the colours are bright the weather is bright the road trip is bright everyone is fun <laughs> it's great um yeah but obviously the this is a teen rom-com, if you will, but it's not just about the romance. It's about this best friendship that we have, Egghead mm. and Twinkie. They're so brilliant. Like, their chemistry is so good. Twinkie is adopted um, and le- a lesbian and mixed Asian heritage. So that, that, that apparently is why she's chosen her nickname as Twinkie, which they address in the film, which is interesting. Yeah, she's claimed it for herself, and she's empowered within that nickname, which I love. Um, and Egghead is—he's a bit of a drip, but I kind of love that. <laughs> like he's, but then again, he's going to Stanford yeah. after the summer holidays, which he—he <laughs> he might be awkward, but he's clever awkward. He's going to Ivy League, baby. Stanford's yeah. Ivy League, right? Yeah, <laughs> Stanford is Stanford. Um, so he's obviously great. And yeah, they they embark upon this road trip because basically Twinkie comes out to her adopted parents. First of all, the way she comes out, I would never have dared. I would never have Literally dared. Literally my first note, coming out scene is iconic. <laughs> she calls herself a raging homosexual. <laughs> that would that is the coming out of dreams, but Yeah. She's like, Egghead kissed me in the cinema and I just realized I was a raging homosexual. <laughs> It's just the way he was like, was it not good? And she was like, no, I'm gay. Yeah. And he was like, what? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. That he, that's what he was outraged about, that she hadn't trusted him with the information. Okay, just the yeah. source of conflict. Yeah. yeah. Which I love. But I also love, um, I mentioned this in my review, but everyone just assumes they're together, like even mm-hmm. Twinkie's parents, um, because they're a boy and a girl and they're best friends so everyone's like oh they must be childhood sweethearts of course um but they're literally just like brother and sister and twinkie literally says like how can they think we're together just because you're a dude and you drive me everywhere and i was like that's so relatable um but basically when her coming out doesn't go swimmingly she thinks hmm i'm gonna meet my online girlfriend egghead you're gonna drive me to texas (laughs) And that's the premise. So simple and yet so brilliant. Yeah. Because she's got this um, online girlfriend. Yes. 
<clears throat> now we were talking about online girlfriend before we started recording this podcast. Ah, uh, I just can't. <laughs> I just can't stand this. <laughs> can't stand. Talk me through okay, it. Okay, so her it. name is Beady, which first of all, that thing that can stand for a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then, so they know each other from Instagram. Yeah. Um, Instagram lesbians. Instagram lesbians. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she clearly looks like, and I tried to explain this to Amber earlier, but you got it now. She looks like a Hey Mamas. <laughs> BD is a Hey Mamas Instagram famous lesbian no. that calls herself, you're going to have to bleep this out, Big <laughs> Lover. <laughs> well, so... You will know the type of lesbian we are talking about, but you may not necessarily know this is what it's called. So Joyce is just going to walk you through it. Yeah, it's I mean, be fine. everyone knows the Hey Mamas. Hey Mamas lesbians are just the ones that are dressed a bit, you know, feminine masculine, but like, they're like players. They're players. They got all the chicks. Mm-mm-mm. They make weird dancing videos. <laughs> like thirst traps. Yes, Pink thirst the traps, thirst bandanas. Yeah, um, bandanas. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I just have Those such are a... rings and like long chains. Yeah, just yeah, just you know, player, Snapbacks. player, like mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like mass. I'm like showing with like hair movements, and then then I realize this is a podcast, and so no one can see me. No shade, no shade at all. Oh no, I mean, is... go off. Yeah, it's just love it. The whole TikTok thing came about because the hey mamas are very serious about themselves, and then they present. <laughs> themselves on tiktok with thirst traps <laughs> and then it became like a thing like oh that's a hey mamas this is yeah. a thirst trap and people make fun of that as well right yeah. definitely now yeah very satire yeah i feel like bd is definitely a hey mama yes. yeah she's literally such a player she's after all the ladies yeah. i mean no not too many spoilers she even, but. does that but we're like grabbing our face with like your thumb and your index finger yeah you know like on your chin and she's a dj yeah <laughs> think anyway. Shane from the L word but Shane is not a hey mamas are you sure? like the vi- oh. <laughs> but she, ha- she doesn't have the attitude of a, na- of a hey mamas true Shane she's a player not- but she's actually cool yeah okay yeah okay think Shane but I'm cool yeah Shane but <laughs> like I'm trying too hard <laughs> yeah. yeah Shane is just effortlessly Shane yeah you're so right I didn't mean to disrespect Shane, the queen Shane doesn't go like hey mama <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That scared me a little bit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so BD, I mean, okay. So we we love it for for girly Twinkie because she's seventeen. <laughs> oh, she's so cute. Yeah, she's Rel- cute. Relatable vibes. No, she talked to this girl on Insta. And she's so excited. Like this is her first like situation. Hopelessly enamored by this more seasoned lesbian. She's like, yes, teach me your ways. I love it. Yeah, she's so hopelessly in love. And then, you know, after coming out and having a bit of backlash from her parents, she's like, you know, fuck it. I'm yeah. taking a road trip. I'm going to convince Egghead. I'm going to steal my dad's car and I'm going to get Egghead to drive us to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Her dad's car has like this massive photo printed on it <laughs> of her dad because he's like a real estate yeah. person. It's yeah. so funny. <laughs> oh, it's so good. There's so many moments like that, that in the dialogue and... Even just, like, the visuals that just make you laugh out loud. Yeah. There are some, like, get real moments which you're like, oh, no, that's more serious. But it's always followed by some light relief. Yeah. It's just such a fun film. I feel like that's all I can say. It is fun. It is fun. Um, yeah. They managed to get over the tension of... Egg, like, Egg and Twinkie managed to get over the tension of their friendship mm-hmm. but by Twinkie's revelation. 
But then he drives her to Texas. It's so cute. He'd just do anything for her. It's yeah. so nice. Um, also, <laughs> I've written down relatable how did you know you were gay montage. Do you remember this bit? <gasps> I wrote that down too. That was so good. <laughs> Making dolls kiss. Yeah. And just like loads of like quick shots cut together of like these moments <laughs> from when she was little and I was I like know. me like we googling am I gay yeah and we were talking about that and am I gay quiz okay. uh, Sims 4 uh, <laughs> making your dolls kiss um, did you do that ever with your Barbies or something when you were a kid duh yeah I mean, <laughs> I'm not a shit it's crazy because we were like kids yeah but we just knew yeah even though we didn't have the language to articulate it like it's just yeah Twinkie is very relatable to the teen coming out process um also being scared to tell your best friend because obviously like Egghead is a sweetheart but he is like a straight dude Mm -hmm. so she has reservations and then he just feels silly for not knowing and he's worried about her because he's worried about BD as he he's right to be Mm -hmm. Um, but then yeah they both think that the other is being selfish and that causes conflict but it's all coming from a place of love mm-hmm. he's just he just says look I'm worried about you I'm worried that she's a catfish um, and I'm worried it's not real and I'm worried you're going to get hurt Yeah, that plus the stresses of a road trip in general like getting petrol or gas um, finding somewhere to eat, finding somewhere to sleep. Running out of money. <laughs> Running out of money. Because I also feel like America is just so big. <laughs> I mean, they're driving like, from Florida to Texas. That's the whole South. Yeah. That's a he was like, oh, we've got like 16 hours left. And I'm like, girl. Left? <laughs> I complain when I have to do a five-hour drive up north. Oh, like, my God. Wait, how far would you get 16 hours from like... From here... From, like, London, how far into Europe can you get? So it says... So Florida to Texas is the equivalent in miles of driving from Paris in France to Warsaw in Poland. <laughs> I love that. Similar mileage, according to Google. Mm. Um, so Imagine best, just casually better. doing that. I'd love to do that. Do you want to take a road trip to Poland? I mean, I love road trips. So <laughs> Me too. Absolutely. Me too. I like listening to the tunes. This is... Yeah, they're living my It's so dream. fun. I mean, I've done a road trip once in America from Indiana to Georgia. How long was that? Um, well, we did it over like a few nights. We had okay. some stops. Nice. But it's... Let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be miles, but... That's okay. We'll, we'll forgive you. Um, so we went from Indianapolis to, to Atlanta. Atlanta, okay, nice. Uh, eight hours, it says. 800 kilometers. Wow. But we did a few states, like Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia. Fun. We visited things. Like, we weren't just driving the whole time, obviously. I'd love to do that. Yeah, it was really nice. That would really be fun. so fun. Road trip vibes. Should we talk about Jess? Jess is Boba Girl? Boba Girl. Boba Girl, Jess. Boba Girl is my favorite. Mm. Oh, I my God. I love bubble tea. So, I recently got into bubble tea. I used to hate it. What's and your now, Well, like, um, peach or passion fruit, oh, but I ooh. only like the tapioca bubbles. I don't See, like the... I love tapioca. I always go for, like, a milk tea or a jasmine tea, though. I've never had a milky one. Is that a boba? Because I don't... Yeah, what is the difference good. between boba and bubble tea? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> There's a really good place near me, though. I just <gasps> love... Well, like, Assam black tea. So nice. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, tapioca, love. 
Um, but yes, Boba Girl is really cute, and I love that whole interaction with trying bubble tea for the first time. Yeah. Or Boba, however they say. Um, what did you think of Je- Jess? Isn't she so I awesome? love Jess. Yeah. When I, I knew kind of what was going to happen, like I expected yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah, They're gonna, yeah. She's going to make her realize this is like a real thing, mm-hmm. and she's still going to drive to Texas, and then she's going to come back to Boba Girl. <laughs> I just kind of had a... But their scene when she's actually at home with yeah. Boba Girl, so cute. I know. So cute. And they've only just met, and yet they just have such an affinity with each other. Like, yeah. Socially, culturally, because they're both exploring queerness, but also um, they're, for the first time, Twinkie is able to talk to someone about being Asian. Because mm-hmm. Jess, she's Japanese heritage. Yeah. And so they're able to talk about that diaspora and Jess is saying oh are you mixed and Twinkie was like well I always thought I was Chinese so I don't know and they're able to talk about that experience as growing up Asian or growing up adopted from a different culture yeah in America and that's very very great mm-hmm. it's very insightful and very done it done in a very nice sensitive way it's very heartwarming mm-hmm. and Jess is so sweet. Oh, so she's literally like, she's like yes. if pixie dust were a person. Oh my god! Honestly, that honestly <laughs> that. Um, it's very nice, and they're able to understand where each other's coming from. Like Twinkie actually feels seen mm-hmm. by Jess, yeah, which is very nice. Yeah. So should we talk about the the kiss? Yeah, you want to talk about the kids. So we we all saw this coming, right? When Jess is saying bye to Twinkie and they think they're never going to see each other again. Yeah. There's this moment where you think, oh, they're going to kiss. They're definitely going to kiss. And then um, Twinkie looks over Jess's shoulder at the car and it's her dad's (laughs) face. (laughs) Like massive, like, prints of her dad's face. And she just completely freaks out. I would also do that. Yeah. I totally get it. No, plus, like, you know, the whole thing about her dad not being accepting either yeah so it's a bit much right and the whole time they him and her mum have been leaving voicemails and trying to call and yeah yeah so it comes to a head it's, it's quite yes. awkward um, oh it's so, it's so funny um but yeah she kind of just leaves Jess and then they drive to Texas and then encounter BD the DJ which BD. interestingly enough big like, I th- actually she's a big head head <laughs> yeah, it sounds better than Big Dick. I think it's interesting how BD and Twinkie are actually never in the same frame. They're never yeah. in the same scene. I think that was a really cool choice mm-hmm. um, to do that. They don't actually meet. And I think that creates... That keeps it powerful and keeps her, like, in the past. Yeah. I like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote down one of those lesbian slash queer influencers on Instagram who loves themselves. So basically, what you uh, said, hey mamas, hey mamas, um, yep. it's understandable why Twinkie is into her. Like, she is just like massive lesbian energy and Lots supposedly of fun, and charisma. of course she turns out to be an absolute tool. Yeah. Um, Horrible. Yeah, she's and she's so horrible to Twinkie about. Like, being like, you're not ready. You're not ready to come out. Like, you're too like you're too far behind me. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, BD is very out and confident. She's DJing at ladies' night. Like, out at 14. Out at 14, That's yeah. lots of girls. Exactly. Like, pining after her. Uh, she's very experienced. Um, so, I can see why 
I have no sympathy for BD's character at all, but I can see why they wouldn't work together. Mm. It kind of points to that idea of them being at very different stages of the coming out process and the accept- self-acceptance journey. And we've talked about that before, about how it's hard to date someone or be in a relationship with someone at a different point in that journey. Mm. And like that comes with its own conflicts. So I can understand that. What I can't understand is how horrible it is to string her along, make her come all the way to Texas from Florida. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not, she- I'm not happy with you right now. Twinkie is our girl and you have disrespected her. Oh my God, she's <laughs> such a manipulator. She's yes. literally saying, I love you to her. And then on the phone being like, oh, yeah. I say I love you to everyone. You're- Emotionally abusive. Yes, like f-ing horrible. Yeah. I was so mad. Like poor Twinkie. And girl. you know, she honestly... She's a good ass actress, but yes. the way she kind of broke down after that, it like was heart wrenching. Oh, in, ca- in the parking lot, car yeah. park. Yeah, we would call it a car park. A car park. In, um, yeah, in the car park, <laughs> parking lot. Um, yeah, there's that poignant scene, and it's like a close up of her face. Mm-hmm. And then who's there to save the day? Egghead, the king himself. So sweet. But this is the thing, like, despite the fact that they've been arguing and bickering about this situation, when it really matters, he is there for her. Mm-hmm. And that's that's such a lovely friendship. He's there when it counts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so nice. So cute. Because she, you know, she says some mean things to him, like, in her in her sadness and in her anger towards BD. Yeah. And he, he realises that. And, and he's, he's still there for her. And he still hypes her up. He's mm-hmm. like, yes, you're a gay queen. Let's do this. Let's go win you your boba girl. <laughs> I love. Yeah. It's very cute. Very nice. Very uplifting. Very warm. Mm-hmm. Very. Yeah, I feel like it, it would be, it's a real comfort watch. Like if I was unwell, off sick, or like just needed some nice vibes in my life, I feel like I would come back to this film mm-hmm. again and again. That's cute. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Do you have any final thoughts about this film or any of the other films that we've talked about? Um, amazing selection. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good work. Thank you, BFI Flair. Oh. Absolutely incredible. Honestly, amazing. The selection festival. is so good. The programmers and everyone that works at Flair has done an amazing job. Truly representing what it means to be on the journey that is queer life. Big love. Do you want to do your little short film shout-out? <gasps> short film shout-outs. Um... Let me recommend you some. There is a category uh, of the short film selection called Aging Without You. So it's without, but the out is in parentheses. This programme features queer elders of various ethnicities and orientations experiencing the unique challenges and blessings of ageing with or without a partner. That's what the programme says. Um, There's five films in this category. Um, we've reviewed two of them so far for UK Film Review um, you may see more reviewed so watch this space oh no I've reviewed three of them look at that two have been published one has not been published <laughs> that's where my confusion was so Where Do All the Old Gays Go is a beautiful film it's basically um, <laughs> the tagline that BFI Flair have done is when I grow old I want to go to an LGBT QIA plus nursing home with all my friends and have our parties together <laughs> it's basically a bunch of um, the older generation of queer people in Ireland so there's a couple of gay couples uh, a non-binary person, a trans woman and they're talking about their experience of being gay and ageing as a gay person oh it's brilliant 
So good. Oh. Short and sweet. And they're all iconic. Also, right here, uh, it's a film from the Philippines, um, directed and written by Jake Munoz Consing. And it's about a man in the Philippines who has Alzheimer's and he's trying to cling to memories of his lost love. It's very sad. Um, made me very emotional when watching. Uh, but very beautiful. And another one I've seen is Love, Barbara, um, directed by Bridie O'Connor. And it's about the life and legacy of the late lesbian filmmaker Barbara Hammer. Um, do you know? I love Barbara Hammer. Hammer. Yes. <laughs> so those who don't know, Barbara Hammer is a renowned experimental filmmaker. She made a lot of queer and lesbian content. And her partner, um, Flory Burke, recounts with a lot of archive footage and a lot of unseen footage as well, um, her life's work and legacy um, within the context of their own love story. And it's very moving and very beautiful. Um, And I love that they have included the queer perspective from an ageing perspective. Um, So that's a very good category. I want to shout that out. There are so many more short films. Um, There's plenty that I'm excited to still watch this week. uh, Tabanka. Um, It's set in Canada. And uh, also Mooncake, a young genderqueer person visiting their formative relationships and ruminating on their identity. The list goes on and on. There's so many. There's so much good content. So many lost films as well. There was a lost uh, 70s uh, porn film that has been rediscovered. And Can that's... we watch that? <laughs> What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. I just closed this. I um, love 70s. Le Bleu Mec. We celebrate the rediscovery of a lost masterpiece of the vintage gay porn whose legendary representation over the decades makes it a must-see. I really want to watch that. I think it's on the digital viewing library. So There are so many um, short films and feature films. I'm really excited to see Polarized and Jess Plus None. They look really, really good. Um, the list goes on and on. There are so many films. I'm, uh, I'm also excited to see uh, Drifter. Um, th- yeah, there's too many. I wish we could sh- talk about them all and make like a 12-hour long episode. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. But thank you so much for listening to this BFI Flare special as part yes. of the UK Film Review podcast. If you've liked what you've heard, please be sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, UK Film Review is the tag. You can also follow us on Instagram at gay underscore actually. We have our own Spotify channel called Gay Actually, so give us some love over there. There is more queer content coming your way. We don't, we don't just talk about films, we talk about TV and culture as well. If you have any requests for any episode, any episodes, content, anything like that you can email us at gayactuallyuk at gmail.com have I missed anything? just send us some love (laughs) send us some love some gay lesbian bisexual transgender queer intersex asexual love wow thank you so much for listening take care everyone bye goodbye Yo, yo, yo. Bonjour. <laughs> You're French now. CC. Oh. <laughs> Wrong language. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.